This is a Shepson and Wiley podcast where we deal with legal issues from different departments. Today we're dealing with the Employment Law Department. I'm Verli Oosthuizen. I'm a partner in the Employment Law Department. And I'm Curtis Nclizier, Canada Attorney in the Employment Law Department. Today we're going to be talking about a very interesting issue, sexual harassment. Thanks, Verdi. Interesting topic. I've actually been recently dealing with a sexual harassment matter with an employee who was sexually harassed at work. The interesting thing about this was she didn't actually know she was being sexually harassed. What is sexual harassment? Well, sexual harassment is usually defined as unwanted and persistent behavior uh, of a sexual nature. Usually one of the elements is that it's got to be unwanted. So sometimes people meet each other at work and it turns out that they end up getting married. The sexual harassment element only comes in when those advances are not welcomed by the person who's on the receiving end of them. Okay. Now, I think even with the matter that I was dealing with, there were sort of blurred lines because I think people usually associate sexual harassment with some sort of physical contact. Um, In this situation, there was no physical contact. Are there ways that you can sexually harass someone without touching them? Definitely. Uh, innuendo is actually a, quite an important form of sexual harassment. You know that banter that turns into kind of off-coloured jokes, that turns into uh, descriptions of certain scenarios. You may never actually touch the person, but you may make them feel incredibly uncomfortable about mm. the things that you say. Okay, so if I'm in the office and we're chatting and someone makes a sexual joke that I am uncomfortable with, is that sexual harassment? It can be sexual harassment and it's really, really difficult to define sexual harassment in some instances because if you hear a joke from one person, you may think it's really, really funny or you may actually like the person and think that they're flirting with you. Whereas when somebody else says that you just get completely creeped out and want to run away. But it may be that the person that said the off-color joke to you or the sexual joke to you is somebody who's in a position of power and you don't want to say, ill, that's gross because they're your boss. Good point that you raised there about being your boss. What happens if I'm being sexually harassed and it is my boss and or the HR manager? How do I go about this internally and bringing the issue to light? Okay, well, I am your boss and I definitely (laughs) haven't sexually harassed you. No, not at all. (laughs) Okay, no, but seriously, if it is your boss and you are feeling incredibly uncomfortable, then the first port of call is usually an HR department. If it's a small company and there isn't a designated HR department, then it might be that you need to go to somebody who is above your boss and speak to them about it. Often it's very, very difficult to confront the person who has been sexually harassing you. Uh, And so there are usually different lines of reporting that you can follow. But the most important thing is that if somebody reports sexual harassment to you uh, and says that somebody's been sexually harassing them, you can't ignore it. You can't say that they're being oversensitive. You have to make sure that the company or organization you're working for uh, takes active steps and investigates. All right. Now, how important is corporate culture? Because I've worked at a different company and employees would hug each other when they greet each other. And I'm working out a law firm. It's not really the custom there to hug other employees. How important? I haven't hugged you. So how important <laughs> is, is the corporate culture of a company in, in establishing what is sexual conduct? Okay. Well, Curtis, you can hug me. It's fine. <laughs> uh, no, but the, 
point is I understand exactly what you're saying. Different corporate cultures exist. There might be a culture where there's a lot of banter, where everybody's very, very good friends, uh, where there's a whole lot of young people that all go out together. And then it becomes very, very difficult to know whether you're going to be taking steps against someone or not going to be taking steps against someone. Interesting thing is that the courts will look at that. They'll look at the corporate culture. They'll look at the way people interact with each other. So if, for example, somebody's working at a church organization, if they suddenly say, oh, well, everybody swears a lot and everybody parties a lot and goes out and drinks, that isn't going to make sense. Mm. Um, But if you are saying that in a very, very strict corporate culture that people behave really badly, you've got to look at all of the facts of the case. It seems unlikely that people would behave inappropriately on a day-to-day basis um, without any kind of liquor being involved. But I was I was chatting to you earlier about this. Netflix, for example, in the US has taken it to a completely different level. There, you're not even allowed to look at a person of the opposite sex for more than five seconds at a time. Sheesh. So, I mean, that sounds pretty unreasonable because I couldn't even chat to you properly without looking... Every five seconds. How? What's the reasonable line? What? What? How do we draw a line between appropriate conduct and non-appropriate conduct that becomes sexual harassment? Well, it's very, very difficult to put that line in place, and especially with that hashtag Me Too movement that happened after the whole Harvey Weinstein reporting. Mm. Uh, people have become incredibly sensitive about sexual harassment, and I've had to do quite a lot of diversity training at different organisations, especially ones where there's an international component, and I must. Say that some of their guidelines seem to be pretty ridiculous to me. You're not allowed to touch anybody, so you wouldn't even be allowed to pat them on the arm to say, well done. You wouldn't be allowed to say that their hair looks nice today. You wouldn't be allowed to look at them for more than five seconds at a time, for example, with Netflix. Uh, In South Africa, we're not as stringent as that. And as I said, they will look at the particular circumstances of the case, but they will look quite carefully at what the victim feels and at the surrounding circumstances of how that victim was approached. Okay. What would you advise for corporate companies or businesses in terms of sexual harassment awareness? What would you advise them to do? That is quite a difficult question, and it would depend very much on the kind of organization that it is. If it's an organization where people are going out a lot with one another and there is a culture where people do get together, then I would definitely suggest that there is some kind of training about what the appropriate lines are Mm. and maybe just look at the cases that have gone through the courts before. So it can give people an idea of perhaps what the courts have thought in the past is appropriate or inappropriate. Mm. But I am quite anti going to corporations and saying to them that you've got to behave in an unnatural way of not being nice to each other, being scared to smile at each other, being scared to say that somebody looks nice. Mm. Um, It just seems to take quite a lot of fun out of the day. Mm. I mean, I just gave you a compliment on your jacket, so hopefully it's not sexual harassment. Definitely not. (laughs) Keep the compliments coming. (laughs) Uh, What happens if someone falsely accuses me? So I've given them a hug before and now the second time I give them a hug, they say, oh, that was sexual harassment when the first time it wasn't a problem at all. How do you deal with false accusations? It is very, very difficult to deal with. I've had a couple of cases like that. For example, there was a case where a woman said that her superior had sexually harassed her and when we investigated it, he had said that her hair looked nice. And that was the extent of the sexual harassment. Obviously, that is horrifying for him. 
that is the kind of reputational damage that can take years to recover from. So in those kind of instances, if somebody is falsely accused of sexual harassment, then very, very stringent steps have to be taken against the person who made that false accusation. They would probably be dismissed for doing something like that. It's as serious as calling someone a racist if they're not a racist, because it's a taint that you just can't come back from. True. Um, another question which is interesting is, uh, obviously, sexual favours happen quite often in the workplace. Uh, what happens to an employee who's been put under pressure to give sexual favours? Is that sexual harassment? Uh, does that fall under the same category? It's absolutely sexual harassment. And it is something, uh, one of the definitions of sexual harassment is when there's a thing called a quid pro quo. So that means that a person in a superior position basically says to someone that if they have some kind of a sexual relationship with them, then in exchange they're going to get a better job. And usually when you're confronted with that, it's going to be a very good example of sexual harassment and the person who has perpetrated it is probably going to get fired. Okay. Which is my next question. Uh, What are the consequences of a sexual harassment charge? Is it a ground for automatic dismissal? It's not. Uh, There's going to be different variations of sexual harassment, and so obviously there's got to be different punishments for that sexual harassment. Sometimes people are just slightly inappropriate and they don't actually know that they're causing other people discomfort. And so all it's going to take is for somebody in HR to say to them, listen, chap, please don't say that. Uh, It's making that person feel uncomfortable. And I realize that I'm being a little bit sexist by saying, listen, chap. Um, (laughs) It seems that unfortunately most of the cases um, that we've dealt with, uh, it is been a male uh, perpetrator. However, interestingly, recently we had a case where there was a woman who was dismissed for making inappropriate sexual comments um, on a persistent basis. So I I apologize. It's not all men that do it. Definitely Um, not. (laughs) But basically, you've got to go through a process. If there is a sexual assault, as in somebody has been forced to do some kind of sexual act without their consent, then I would say that that would result in dismissal. But if it's something like someone has said a slightly inappropriate comment about the way somebody looks or just made them feel slightly uncomfortable, you have a little chat to them and say, we can't tolerate this in the future. And then obviously, if it happens again, then there would be more serious discipline to follow. Yeah. Thank you, Vidi. I mean, I think it's important that employees know that uh, there's certain boundaries in their conduct with their co-workers. And at the same time, you raise a good point about uh, companies and businesses making aware of their corporate culture so people know what the boundaries are and the training uh, facilities put in place. Um, going forward, should we be more attentive to other people's backgrounds, uh, social engagement? Is that a very important factor in, in your experience? I think it's really important in South Africa in particular. We've got very, very different cultures and we've got very different ways of dealing with one another. And so whereas in some cultures it might be appropriate to say some things and other cultures it might not be. We've also got to realize that when people go to work, they're adults. And I like to treat people as adults. So you need to also take some responsibility for yourself. You know, if somebody says something that's in a slightly inappropriate to you um, and it's somebody who's of the same kind of level as you, before running off to HR and making a big fuss about it, just stand up for yourself and just say, you know, that's, that is a slightly icky comment to whatever it is and, and take care of yourself. Obviously, it's different if somebody uh, overtly sexually assaults you mm. and I understand that. And obviously, if someone's in a position of power, it's a lot more difficult. But people need to stop being so oversensitive about these issues. 
Mm. We don't want to get to a point where everybody is not allowed to touch one another or say anything nice to one another. Mm. And that seems to be the direction that they're going overseas. Verdi, interesting question. Obviously, at work, you make friends, friendships develop, sometimes serious friendships develop, and people date each other. What are the sort of dating policies that companies should put in place? Well, there's different policies for different companies. Like, for example, at our law firm, there's been quite a few partners that have ended up marrying uh, other professional staff or partners. And honestly, when you go to work, you're spending most of your time at work and relationships do develop. I think it's important for people to know what those policies are. Some companies will say that you've actually got to declare your relationship. So if you do get together, you have to declare that relationship. And if you break up, you have to declare that uh, breakup to the company. Some companies say that you are absolutely not allowed to date because it's distracting for everybody and that if you do start dating, then you need to go to another company. So it will depend very much on the circumstances of the place and what their policies are. Okay. And a second thing is sometimes there's certain inconsistencies in workplace. So, for example, one guy touches a girl and she's got no problem with it, uh, but a different guy touches the same girl the same way the other guy did and there's a big problem. How do you deal with inconsistencies? What sort of measures should be put in place to make sure there's a general line and a line of accountability on every employee? I think one of the key issues to understand is that sexual harassment has got the subjective element to it. So it's unwanted conduct. So it may be that the girl doesn't actually mind that particular guy uh, doing that particular uh, sexual conduct, whereas she doesn't find the other guy attractive. It could be that. Or if she finds both of them equally unpleasant to deal with, then it just means that the company has to deal with it consistently. Mm. You can't say, oh, everybody knows that guy behaves like that and let him get away with it. Mm. Everybody's got to be treated the same. So the first thing that you look at is whether the person themselves feels uncomfortable. So whether the victim of the sexual harassment feels uncomfortable. And then you deal with it from that point. But you've got to obviously investigate everything. So you've got to speak to the woman and find out whether she just feels uncomfortable because um, it's that particular person or she feels uncomfortable with the conduct itself. But any kind of inconsistent treatment with sexual harassment can open up a company to huge liability. Mm. You can't allow certain people to get away with sexual misconduct and then uh, come down hard on other people. Mm. You raise a good point at the end there. What can now what happens in the circumstance where a victim doesn't feel happy or employee doesn't feel happy with the internal outcome at their company, what other measures do they have? Well, it is actually a form of unfair discrimination. Sexual harassment is something that you can go to the Labour Court about. So the first port of call would be to go to the CCMA and lodge a claim of unfair discrimination on the basis of sexual harassment. And the scary thing for companies is that they will be held liable for not taking care of that employee or making sure that there is a safe workplace. So my advice is that if a company has an instance of sexual harassment reported to it. You must investigate thoroughly. Mm. You must show that you've taken overt active steps to deal with the sexual harassment. And it may be that it's a completely spurious claim. The employee may still go to the CCMA, but if you are called to the CCMA as an HR director or as the head of the company and you haven't done anything because you say, oh yeah, well, she cried wolf, you're going to be in serious trouble. Mm. Very 
thank you once again. A very interesting, but a very serious topic at the same time. Uh, I think it's important for employees and employers to know uh, how to deal with this issue of sexual harassment. And as you said, that woman only realized she'd been sexually harassed once she had had training at the company. So it is something that's coming to people's attention Mm. and they are realizing the certain conduct that they may have felt uncomfortable about before but not said anything is actually against the law. Yeah. Thank you, Verdi. Uh, Until next time.